Glory Ali is rewriting the rules on leadership, business success, making money, and changing the world for women. This is the podcast for creative and ambitious female entrepreneurs or women contemplating the entrepreneurial path. Each week, you'll hear incredible stories of entrepreneurs from around the world discussing the most important areas of their lives, business, personal growth, and balancing family and career. Here, you can get the resources, tools, and skills you need to prosper and succeed. Welcome to the Sisterhood of Successful Entrepreneurs. Now, here's your host, international speaker, entrepreneur, and business strategist, Glory Ali. So welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Sisterhood of Successful Entrepreneurs. All right, guys, this um, episode is, um, I've been looking forward to this episode because it's all about investment, a small business owner investment. Um, We're going to be talking to a grant, and I should have asked you this, how do you pronounce your last name? I want to say Grant Bledsoe, but I think that's wrong. No, that's that's right. It's Isn't just just, just like it looks. Bledsoe. Bledsoe. All right. <laughs> I meant to ask you that before, then I was like, oops, I forgot. So Bledsoe. All right. Go glory. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so Grant, thank you so much for joining us today. Like I, I said before, I am super excited. Um because as um, business owners, not just women, I know that we're on the Sisters of Successful Entrepreneurs podcast. We're going to be speaking to women, both business owners. But I am super excited because um, when we start thinking of building our business, we don't always think about retirement. We don't think about um, planning, uh, planning, um, fi- financial planning for our own business. And so I'm super excited to get into that today. Um, so just to let you guys know a little bit about, about Grant, Grant is the founder and president of the Three Oaks Capital Management, a fee-only financial planning firm working with small business owners, medical professionals, and those entering retirement. So um, they, they help people grow their wealth and navigate life transitions while squeezing the most out of what they have, Right. And so, Grant, what is your personal focus um, in this business? Well, I run the business. It's a it, 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 it's a small business staff wise. We've got a couple of staff, and and basically, we we do what what you just described. We we work with a lot of small business owners, a lot of people in the medical profession, and in general, you know, a, a financial planner is someone who helps their clients make really smart business and financial decisions. They have a really good relationship and solid understanding of their values and their intentions and objectives in their career and their in their life long term. And as I'm, I'm sure all your listeners have probably experienced firsthand, when you go through life as, as a business owner or an entrepreneur, there are just a lot of things that come up, financial decisions that come up that you have to make. And so we help our clients make sound decisions that are aligned with their business and personal objectives. And so one example of that would be um, a lot of people decide that they need life insurance once you get married, once you have kids, if you have a business with partners and you want to preserve the value of your equity, if you were to pass prematurely, you want your partners to buy you out, 
um, and pay your family? Well, that's often funded with life insurance, and there are a lot of ways to do that. Um, 401k and other types of retirement plans are another example of that. So we, we provide a really holistic planning service for people to make sound decisions and make sure that they're really doing the best they can with what they have. And, and one of the things that we found over the years, particularly with, with small businesses, is that when, when you're in the early phases of <clears throat> getting your business off the ground, that's where your focus is. Because if your focus is elsewhere, you probably ain't going to make it, right? I mean, it's a, it's a high energy, very challenging kind of experience to get a new business off the ground. And because of that, we find that a lot of our clients who are in that phase are kind of neglecting their personal finances. I was just going to say that I'm neglecting my finance. You just took the words out of my mouth. You said <laughs> that I'm thinking, wow, I have neglected my personal finances. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm not someone who's going to like sit here and pound the table for like paying attention to every single line item on your credit card statement each month and like cut out the Starbucks budget or any of that nonsense. Because if, if you can do this entrepreneurship, <laughs> if you can do this entrepreneurship thing successfully, it's going to have a far greater impact on your financial well-being than that stuff that I just mentioned, right? And so that's where your focus really has to be, and it's where you, and it's where it should be. But we often come into the fold because people realize that there's there's a lot of opportunity to kind of tighten things up on the personal side, or at least align some of the business decisions with what we're trying to do um, uh, with our personal and family finances, and and we can provide a lot of value in those arenas. Great. So what are a few ways that small business owners can um, can protect the value of their business? And because you just mentioned life insurance where your partner, like that just kind of blew my mind. Like, wait, what? Like, I don't know. <laughs> so, so tell me more about that and then tell us some other ways that you can protect the value of, of your business. Sure. So, so that that I just kind of pulled out of a hat. But what, you know, for, for a lot of businesses, once they grow to a size where they they have a reasonable amount of value, <clears throat> and and the way that um, we would typically value a business is you take maybe the last couple years worth of revenues and earners comp uh, uh, excuse me owners compensation. So if if you have just real simple example, hundred thousand dollars of revenue. And you're, you have $50,000 of expenses, and then you have $50,000 left over at the bottom line of your income statement. Well, if you would take that number and look at it over the last couple years. And if you have a business with an operating manual that can be packaged up and sold, you have intrinsic value. You have something of value to where if you died tomorrow, you don't want that value to just evaporate. You probably want your family to be able to um, capitalize on it and package it up, maybe sell it to somebody else. And so <clears throat> that that specific example is uh, one where, where if if you have a business with multiple partners, so you have two partners and there's a million dollars of income each year in the business. Well, if one partner passes away. Let's, let's say you have a million dollars of income and the business itself is worth $2 million. Each partner owns 50% of that $2 million business. And so if one of the partners maybe is married and has kids and they get hit by a bus and pass away, well, what happens to their stake? 
right? Does the other remaining partner absorb it? Do they have any obligation to uh, pay uh, the, the deceased partner's family? And um, uh, is there any kind of benefit for them? And if that's the case, would the remaining partner even be able to come up with a million dollars of cash to buy out the family? How, did, how was all that structured? So having a partnership agreement or an operating agreement, depending on the, how the company is organized, is the starting point. You need to spell out what happens in these kinds of situations. And uh, if one part, if the intention is for any remaining partners to buy out someone who dies prematurely, which is really common in professional services, by the way, financial planning firms have these, accounting firms, uh, law firms, um, oftentimes it, the organization will own a bunch of life insurance on each of the partners so that if one of them dies, the life insurance pays a death benefit to the organization, which is then used to buy that deceased partner's stake from um, their beneficiaries or their family. Never knew that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 one, it's one mechanism, but, but that's, that's kind of an example of, I, I think what a good financial professional will do is, is help assess you know, what could possibly go wrong here, right? What are the risks? And are we comfortable with that risk knowing what might happen if you were to be disabled or hit by a bus or something like that? Uh, if you're not comfortable with that risk, then we should probably seek to transfer it to an insurance company in exchange for a monthly or annual premium on some kind of policy. So that's that, that's one example. But there's I'm focusing on insurance here. There are, there are a lot of other things. A lot of others, yeah. And, and I also wanted to ask you, what are um, why is financial planning uh, really important for finance for business uh small business owners why is this so important well the impact that it can have i think is is just really really important <clears throat> and and if you're if one way to put it is is if you're looking at a chart of your long-term net worth and you are able to focus your attention and energy on building your business and you just have this upward sloping chart of your net worth over time, a good financial planner is going to be able to advise you and help you make smart decisions in a way that saves some of your mental energy. And I don't know about you, Glory, but, but for me, I'm, I, I have so many decisions to make as a business owner that if I can delegate some of those decisions to an advisor like my accountant or my attorney or employees, and focus on fewer things at once, that makes me way, way more effective at those things that I'm focusing on. And, and, and I think that, that having uh, you know, an attorney, an accountant, a financial planner on your team is really helpful because they can help you um, make better decisions and focus on the stuff that's most important. And like any professional, you know, if, if, they're, if they're charging you a fair, transparent, reasonable fee, and they're able to provide more value than the fee that you're paying out of pocket to hire them, then it's, it's a good endeavor. And, and I, I think that good professionals can do that. Great. And then what are some of the, as a small business owner, owner, what are some, let's say I'm looking for a financial advisor. What are some of the things that I would, I honestly wouldn't even know what to say as I'm interviewing a financial advisor. Like hmm. what are some, some things that I need, um, in my business, right? 
Mm. So, so you're, you're, you're asking if you were to go find one, what would you look for? Yeah. As, as a business yeah. owner? Yeah. Not just look for, but what are um, some of the things that you do as oh. a financial business owner for small business, um, for small business, I'm sorry, as a financial planner for small business owners? Oh, sure. Sure. So I, I think, I think anyone good who works with small businesses is going to be able to articulate some process that they use to add value. And the process that we use at, at my firm is that we, um, if, if we take on a new client, we evaluate their personal cash flow first, how much money you have coming in, going out of your business, coming into your personal accounts, how much you're spending, how much you have left over, or how much you're spending down your savings each month if, if you're cash flow negative. And then if, and if that's the case, which is really, really common for, for new businesses, how much runway do you have? And what do we need to do in those first couple of years to make sure that you start making enough money in the business to where you don't run out of runway? So I always like to start with cash flow. But then from there, we evaluate uh, your tax returns and do some tax planning because there are a lot of opportunities as a small business owner to reduce the amount of tax you pay. Mm -hmm. So if you make a hundred bucks and you owe $25 of that in taxes and you can shuffle some things around and reduce that from 25 to $22 in taxes, well, you just saved three bucks, right? So on, on a, a large scale, we do some tax planning, evaluate what's going on uh, in the business and in your personal life and come up with some strategies to reduce the ultimate amount of tax that you will pay in the business and uh, as an individual. We cover insurance planning, we cover investment planning, we cover retirement planning, estate planning, and the, the, the circumstances and specifics of what that looks like for each of our clients differs because everybody's situation is so unique. But um, I, I think the output of what people get from it is they're able to save a lot of money. They're able to improve their investment returns. They're able to uh, execute a sound strategy um, from a financial perspective that's totally aligned with what they're trying to do in their business and personal lives. And I know it's a little bit vague and probably a little in, indirect of an answer to, to what you asked, but um, <clears throat> in a nutshell, that's that's what we do. That's great. And then like um, you were talking about tax savings, what are some tax saving opportunities for small business owners that um, are sometimes missed? Well, there are, there are different ways to structure your organization. Mm -hmm. There are different ways to claim deductions. And there are different opportunities um, over the long term. And it really depends on where the business is, what your trajectory is, what your vision is, and what you're trying to do long term. So I can give you a couple of examples. What, one easy one is when the business starts to take off and you have a little bit of extra money, a qualified and I'll explain what that is in just a moment, uh, but some kind of retirement plan is a really, really helpful tool. And the really common one that most people might recognize is a 401k plan. You can establish a 401k plan in the business and get a really nice tax deduction because anything that you put in for yourself or for employees is deductible, which is really great. 
and you can structure it in a way that incentivizes employees to stick around. You can have those contributions vest over time. Um, there are some responsibilities and uh, obligations that come along with that too. So don't establish a 401k plan lightly, um, but it's called a qualified plan because the Department of Labor has oversight um, over it and a lot of specific compliance things that you have to do when you operate one. A really, really easy retirement plan that's not qualified and has far lower compliance and administrative costs is a SEP IRA or a simple IRA. If you're someone who doesn't have any employees, a SEP IRA is usually a better fit. If you do have employees, a simple IRA is um, where you might want to look first. So those, th those are a couple types of retirement plans that are, are really helpful because they provide nice fat uh, deductions for business owners. But another example of uh, how we might reduce taxes due. So there are all these different types of entities that we can create. You know, you can, you can start a business and operate as a sole proprietor. You can form an LLC. You can form an S corporation. Have you covered all this on your podcast in the past, Glory? A little, but not too much. Each, each, is a each form of organization differs a little bit state to state. Um, but let's, let's use the example we were talking about earlier. Let's say you have $100,000 of revenue. No, actually, let's, let me take that back. Let's say you have $200,000 of revenue and $100,000 of expenses. Well, if you're a sole proprietor or you formed an LLC and you're the only member, so it's a single member LLC, all your revenues, all your expenses are reported on Schedule C of your tax return. And so you, you, report every, you report all your revenues, you report all your expenses, <clears throat> you take the expenses away from the revenues and whatever is left over is your self-employment income that you're taxed on. So you have 200,000 revenue, you take 100,000 in expenses away, you have $100,000 of self-employment uh, income you pay tax on. Well, if you're an LLC, you have the choice to make what's called an S-Corp election. And what that means is that even though you're an LLC, you want to file taxes as if you were an S corporation. You don't have to actually incorporate. You're just filing taxes that way. And the reason that you want to do that <clears throat> in some circumstances is that $100,000 of self-employment income that you have, when you pay the self-employment tax, the self-employment tax is Social Security and Medicare. When you're an employee and you make a W-2 wage, <clears throat> you pay half of the Social Security and Medicare tax. Social Security is 6.2%. Medicare is 1.45, so 7.65%. Well, the self-employment tax is 15.3%, <clears throat> which is 7.65 times 2, because when you're self-employed, you're the employee and the employer. So you get to pay both sides of that. When you're a W-2 employee, you're only paying 7.65. So when, when you file taxes as an S corporation, you have to pay yourself a W-2 wage commensurate with your efforts in the business. So you have 200,000 in revenue, 100,000 in expenses, and then 100,000 left over for yourself. If you pay taxes as an S corporation, let's say you pay yourself 50,000 as W-2 wages, well, 
that $50,000, the business pays 7.65%, you pay 7.65%, but the other $50,000 is a is called a profit sharing distribution. It falls to the bottom line. You don't pay that self-employment tax on that. It's a it's a taxable distribution as income, but you save 7.65% on that amount. Um, I know that's a whole bunch of numbers <laughs> on a podcast. It's kind of hard to digest, but but the, the, the point being that um, structuring the business thoughtfully in a way that's going to meet whatever it is you're trying to do in the business long term while simultaneously minimizing your tax obligations is a great opportunity to um, improve your, your wealth. Because again, another example, you pay less in tax, you get to keep more of what you make. Yeah, I love that. Especially. Thank you for explaining that. Um, that was great. So, you know, when we talk about building wealth, um, as a small business owner, <clears throat> what do we get wrong um, about building wealth? What, what are we doing wrong? A couple of things that I see really frequently are that everybody has the, you kind of have to be a little bit crazy to be an entrepreneur. And Everybody, I, I say that um, in a positive light. I don't mean, I mean I, I'm, I, I, I am a business owner myself. Uh, but everybody has these grandiose plans of what they want from their business. And you think, well, I'm, I'm going to be able to structure you know, this life in the way that I want, have this great work-life balance, and then I'll build this business, and then eventually I'll sell it for this huge amount of money, and I'll just be really wealthy. And it, it doesn't end up working like that. Because our visions of what we want out of our business are different than what a potential buyer is going to want in their business. Yeah, I understand. And so, number one, it's, it's exceptionally uncommon that when it comes time to sell a business, we actually get what we think it's worth. And number two, if we go about our careers and focus on building the business without also funding the retirement plan or doing a little bit of saving on the side for our future, it's kind of a recipe for disaster. And, and what I think business owners <clears throat> forget is a lot of people I want to talk to want, really intentionally want to pay less in tax, but they are not as comfortable devoting a little bit of money to invest in other things. And if we're looking for the biggest potential tax deductions that we can find as a business owner, that qualified retirement plan, that 401k is a really, really good one. And so not only does it provide an incentive for your employees to stick around, not only does it provide that nice tax deduction, but it gives you a nice little pile of money that's unrelated to your business that can help you in the future. Because 20 years down the road, if you're trying to sell your business for $3 million, and the highest bid comes in at 1.2 million, well, you might be a little bit uncomfortable. You might not be totally sure how, whether you're gonna have enough saved to actually be able to retire. Mm -hmm. So if it provides a nice you know, secondary pot of funds uh, to, to supplement your retirement plans later on. Awesome, thank you, I love that. And so definitely um, 401k, I know I've always said this, it's like, yes, that's uh, really important that we have. Um, you know, we, we have to plan for retirement, right? I, I plan on for, I plan on retiring. 
Living Everybody wants to work until the day they die. And living a long life after retirement. Absolutely, yeah, right? Um, so also, I wanted to ask you, um, and I know that big corporations do this, but as a small business owner, does it make sense for us to start thinking of like an exit plan? Um, once we start our business, how far into our business should we start thinking about an exit plan? <clears throat> Not right after you start. When, when you start, you know, you're still formulating mm -hmm. the whole thing. You're, you're trying to get things off the ground. Uh, it's really rare that, you know, someone starts a new business and then it just takes off on day one. You know, it just, it doesn't happen. You have to kind of grind and toil at it for a while. Um, <clears throat> the right time to start thinking about an exit plan is probably three or four years before you want to sign on the dotted line. Because it, let's say that you know exactly who, what type of party you want to sell the business to. Once that, that process probably takes a year or two. Mm -hmm. Once you have that in mind, whether it's uh, employees that you're going to sell to, or maybe a competitor or a large corporation or something like that, then <clears throat> most business owners, because you're trying to reduce your tax liability, right? They will find deductions that are I don't want to call them personal expenses. Accountants get really angry when you when you say that, but like your cell phone bill, if you're using that for business and personal, you can deduct a portion of that bill through the business. But when it comes time to sell the business, a buyer is going to want an accurate representation of the financials. And they're not going to want you to put your cell phone and your cable bills through the business. And so it takes a little bit of time for most people to unwind that stuff strip out all their personal expenses and package the financials in a way that a buyer is going to be interpret and it's going to pass through some kind of due diligence process in a sale. So you have to know, you have to do those things first. You have to know really what you need out of the transaction to live the rest of your life comfortably if this is the step into retirement or at least know what, what the next step is after that. And then you have to go through the motions of filing the or, or finding the right buyer, um, agreeing on the right terms, and really buttoning up your business in a way that a buyer is going to have total confidence that they can continue that revenue stream, because that's what they're buying from you. They're, they're, they're not they're not buying the um, blood, sweat, and tears that you put into it. They're buying that future income stream after the business is handed over to them. And so you strip your personal expenses from uh, the financials, get those out of there. And then the next step is really coming up with a, a steadfast operating manual that anybody off the street is going to be able to take and step-by-step -step instructions for this is how you produce the income that I've been making in the business to substantiate the financials. And that's why it's so important, and I tell this to my clients all the time, that they, um, from the very beginning, should be writing down the SOPs, right? Systems of operation. You should be writing your systems of operation down so that anyone, let's say that you hire a new employee, they can, you know, take a look at the SOPs and know exactly how you do the lead generation or how you do your sales. And, and so um, you can't wait until a couple of years in that you've already done so much and then you want, like you hire a new employee and they don't know, you expect them to do things that you haven't taught them and they don't know how to do. So it's really important that you have that SOP and as you have pointed out, you need 
that um, that operations uh, uh, manual, right? It's really important for that. So I totally agree. Thank you so much for that. And so I wanted to um, just ask you um, if you have any tips on how uh, we can increase the value of our small business. Like any tips on how do we increase the value of our, our business? <clears throat> Well, businesses are, are worth what a buyer is willing to pay, like any real estate or other asset. And a buyer is going to be evaluating what your what they think your business is worth based on revenues and expenses and income at the bottom line. And so the way that you can boost the value is by is 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 it's not always as simple as saying, well, just bring in more revenue and that, and that bumps up the multiple. Reduce, it could be, reduce, it could be smoothing. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I'll say reduce expenses. It could be reducing expenses. It could, I mean, if your income is bouncing around a lot year to year, it could be, it could be uh, built structuring things in a way that makes that income less volatile year to year, smooths it out. It could be um, removing yourself from the business. So in, in, in my business, financial planning is really um, centered on the skills and the abilities of the professionals, just like a law firm is, right? If, if you don't have any lawyers in the law firm, that firm ain't going to be worth very much. So finding a way to remove yourself from the business so that that income stream can continue with minimal intervention from the new buyer is a really good way. And it goes back to the standard operating procedures, workflow, everything, create systems so that things just kind of run on their own uh, in the most efficient way possible uh, is a nice way to, to boost value. Because that just means that a buyer is gonna need to take less time and energy to continue churning that crank and that income stream once they step in. I agree. Thank you so much, uh, Jeff. Um, I'm sorry, Grant. Thank you for taking time out of your day to help us, you know, just explore these opportunities and things that we really as small business owners need to be looking into from the very beginning and not wait until we're, you know, 15, 20 years in and say, oh, darn, you know, I need to start saving for retirement or I need to be investing this and, and I haven't. So it's really important. So just we're going to be dropping the links of how um, our listeners can get a hold of you. Um, website is www.3oakscapital.com. Um, you can also find Grant um, on Facebook. So Grant, uh, B-L-E-D-S-O-E. On Twitter, YouTube. Oh wow, you're on 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 uh, YouTube as well. Awesome. I don't have too many videos on there, but uh, we do. Po I, I have a podcast too. It's called uh, Grow Money Business. I was just going to say and, that. Uh, GrowMoneyBusiness.com. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about GrowMoneyBusiness.com. I, I talk about stuff we talked about today, you know, the, that intersection of uh, wealth building and financial planning for business owners. And we talk about technical stuff. We talk about um, operating stuff. This, uh, the episode, so we're recording this on a Tuesday. The next episode that will drop tomorrow is on the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. So we go over in detail the stimulus checks, the child tax credits, and, and that kind of stuff. 
Um, we talk about investing. We do we, anything that has to do with the financial planning for business owners. We we touch on. All right, awesome. So everyone, if you want to definitely go over to GrowMoneyBusiness.com uh, so you can get all the latest news on the stimulus and the child credit act. Yeah, we all need to be listening to that right now. <laughs> <laughs> there are little there are little nuggets in there from from place to place. <laughs> yes, or we all need to be listening to that. So Grant, again, thank you so much for joining us today. This was um I was looking forward to this all week. So I'm super excited. I cannot wait to um it goes live. So again, thank you so much, Grant. Well thank thanks for having me, Glory. This is this is great. <clears throat> Thanks for listening to the Sisterhood of Successful Entrepreneurs. If you know anyone that would make a great guest for the show, or if you have a question or topic you'd like Lori to discuss, reach out to us at info at We'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at gloryali.com 